two of our series, Bringing It to the Table. And, and i got to ask, what's the worst meal you've ever eaten? You know, as we talk about the table, I, I can tell you some of the worst things I've ever had is, you know, when you go to, when you order grits and they don't salt the water. You know, you can't add salt to grits after the fact that they're just not the same. Or you go and you're like, man, I'm ready for some biscuits and gravy. And you get that biscuits and gravy and the gravy has no sausage in it. I'm sorry, that ain't gravy. That's not biscuits and gravy if it ain't got no sausage in it. Or, or how about when you go to a restaurant and, and the, the cook is just a little heavy with the salt? You know, and all of a sudden it's just way too salty to eat. And you're like, oh, man, this is so bad. You know, so through my life I've had some bad meals. Of course, you know, being in the military, anyone in the military has had bad meals, right? That's why we learn to put hot sauce on everything. No matter what it is, you put hot sauce on it, it makes it taste better. You know, you just, the more you spice it, the better it kills that bland taste that it has. But, but I think all of us have had some bad meals in our time. Um, you know, how about sitting there and you're making this nice meal and, and you got maybe this stew going on and, and you kind of taste it at the end. You're like, you know what, it needs just a pinch of salt. And then you put the salt in, the cover comes off the salt. And now the whole thing's ruined. We're like sitting at a restaurant, you know. I remember as a kid, we used to do that. You'd unscrew the salt shaker a little bit so the next person used the salt. They go to put it on their food and the whole thing. Well, that happened to me one time. I was not happy <laughs> because it ruined my meal. I was okay with it doing it to someone else. But when it ruined my meal, I was like, man, I can't do this. And, and of course, you know, if you got high blood pressure, you got to watch your salt anyways. Um, but as we talk about, you know, we use salt to season food. How about using salt to season our conversations, the conversations that we have? Because, you know, some of us, we've all been there, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, and, and you have this conversation that's maybe a little too salty, and you kind of leave the conversation, man, I'm done with that. I don't want to have to talk to that person again. Man, I can't believe the way they talk, and you know, because you, you don't have any salt or any type of seasoning to it. And, and maybe, you know, you hear about having to have this spiritual conversation and it automatically gives you this bad taste in your mouth. You know, some of us are good at having spiritual conversations. Some of us dread it. It's like having too much salt on your food. It doesn't taste right. It doesn't feel right. There's just something wrong with it. And you're like, ah, it just... I don't want to have this conversation. And then when you finally do, you finally, whoo, I am so glad that's over. I'm so glad I talked to them about Jesus. Now I never have to do that again. Thank you. Exactly. Wrong. Yeah, I found in a book written by George Barna, it's called Evangelism That Works. It actually said this. One of the most disheartening findings regarding evangelism is that a large proportion of evangelizers share their faith with non-Christians the same way every time, regardless of who the non-believer is or what circumstances they may be in. We have found in contrast that the people who are most effective at sharing their faith are those who are most lifelike. That is, the people who do not fall back on formulas, stock answered, or tired phrases, but who are generally engaged in a creative conversation with the seeker. 
See, realize most of us, none of us want to be that religious person, right? None of us want to be that religious person that people stay away from. Oh, God, here comes Mike. Watch out. You know he's going to talk to you about Jesus. Oh, you know, oh, man, it's going to be all about it. He's going to be telling me what I'm doing wrong. He's going to be judging me, man. Uh, do I really have, man, can I avoid him? You know, and, and then after that conversation, you're kind of like, man, that's nice. I, I, I hope you can go now. Are you done? Let me, let me go back to what I was doing. You know, because unfortunately, we, we all know people like that. We don't need to preach all the time. That's right. Your pastor said that. You don't need to preach to people all the time. It's a reality that comes across. Uh, and as a matter of fact, when you are preachy, when you are that preachy person, it's kind of counterproductive. You know, we all know that person that's odd for God that even as Christ followers, we try and avoid. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I love Jesus, but man. Do I got to talk about it for the next 45 minutes? Do I need to listen to this conversation? And, and you know, it's it, it, sometimes we put way too much seasoning into what we're saying. And we're making it so it's not tasteful to the hearer. Where our, the scripture today is basically talks about those conversations that we have. It talks about having conversations that are seasoned or seasoned conversations. And I'm not talking season like, you know, I, I, I got older yesterday, one more year around the sun. Not that kind of season, but seasoned as in, you know, we all know that food, when it tastes good, it's like, man, other people should taste it. Well, our words should be the same way. If our words are seasoned, people will want to hear them, and it will be inviting and delicious for them to hear. Instead of being, man, will you shut up already? Can I put in earplugs? Or you do the old, you know, bobblehead until they're done talking. And then when they're done talking, you're like, whew, I'm out, and you leave. So kind of the big idea for today is this. In our conversations with non-believers, Christians, we should be wise and intentional. And, and basically, we need to practice graceful, seasoned conversations. Now, last week I talked about, hey, this is how we talk as Christian as brothers and sisters to each other. And I told you, hey, next week we're going to talk about how we talk to non-believers. Well, here's where we're at. So we're going to talk about exactly that, having seasoned conversations. Man, Jesus just texted someone. You hear that? Awesome. Hey, so if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. In the back of the pew is going to be on page 1,355. Um, if not, it is always on the screen. And in order to give reverence to our God, can I please give everyone to all rise for the reading and the hearing of God's Word. So Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us for the world to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how you should answer each person. Amen. There is something about just standing up and listening to God's word, isn't it? And it was short this week. I didn't make you like read 22 verses. So <laughs> anyway, so I think the, these verses kind of give us this pattern for the ordinary church person uh, uh, of what we should do, uh, of how we should have these conversations. And these are conversations with non-believers. Um, it doesn't hurt to have seasoned conversations with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But, but there's times as fellow brothers and sisters, we might need to add a little extra salt because some people may be a little short, so we got to add that little saltiness to it, but we do it with love. Now, now with non-believers, you can preach all day long, and if they don't believe in the Bible, you're going to have a hard time telling them, well, the Bible says, because I don't believe in it. Might as well read me Dr. Seuss, because I probably believe Dr. Seuss more than I believe the Bible, so... You know, you, you got to understand that conversation that you're having. Now, now this, of course, is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae, and, and he's talking to the church. It's a letter to the church. It would have been read from the pulpit to the entire congregation. And basically, he's, he's not telling them. You notice he doesn't say, hey, you need to go to the street corner and preach Christ crucified. He doesn't say that, right? He doesn't say, hey, you need to go to door to door and knock on people's door and tell them about Jesus. He doesn't say that. What he does tell us is we need to pray. He wants everyone to pray. He wants us to live wise lives. And he wants us to have conversations that are seasoned with salt. Now, if you think about the Great Commission, it tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So as we're going to make disciples of all nations, the first thing we need to do is we need to pray. We need to take that time and we need to pray, be devoted in prayer, have wise lives, be, be willing to, to actually learn and have those conversations, and make sure your conversations are gracious, that they're seasoned conversations in what you do. So that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning. Of course, the first one is, you know, pray, speak to God, have those conversations. Now, I know many of you heard the thing, you know, speak to God about your friend before you speak to your friend about God. So kind of the same thing, you know, you want to, hey, I need to speak to God. I need to pray. I need to have this conversation because I, I need to talk to my neighbors. Or maybe, hey, God, you know, the, the, the town of Lantan or Lake Worth or even Palm Beach County, Lord, it's an unchurched county. Lord, what can use me? How can I reach out to these people and have seasoned conversations with them? So we begin with prayer. We begin to talk to God about the people in our neighborhoods, in our environment, even about people in our family. Because the reality is we all know someone in our family who don't know Jesus, and the last person they want to talk to about Jesus is us because we've shoved Jesus down their throat for so long that they're kind of like, yeah, get back, you yeah. Uncle Mike's here. I know what Uncle Mike's going to do. He's going to have that big King James Bible. He's going to beat me over the head with it and hope that I accept Jesus. It doesn't work that way. It's about having season. By the way, Mike, I'm talking about this, Mike, just so you know. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, as you're looking, yep, y'all looking at each other like he's talking about you. Let me let me clarify. I'm talking about both y'all, okay? <laughs> but but it talks about you know it, it begins devote yourself to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. So the first thing we need to do is we need to show up. We need to show up having that prayer, taking that time in prayer, asking God about hey. How can I have this conversation? How can I have this seasoned conversation and be gracious to this other person that I'm talking to? Uh, and, and understand that whatever you may take as devote yourself in prayer, I think all of us can do a better job at it. You know, devote yourself in prayer, you may say, hey, you know what, I pray once a week. I'm devoted in prayer. Good for you. Guess what? If you're devoted, make it twice a week. If you devote yourself, hey, I'm five minutes every morning, I'm giving Jesus my best in prayer, and, and I'm good, well, guess what? You want to be devoted? Try five more minutes at night. Now, if you're one of them who, man, Pastor, you don't understand, I, I took pray without ceasing literally, and I all day long I'm in prayer, you're probably devoted in prayer, and you need to teach everyone else how to do what you're doing. Because the reality is, most of the time, life gets in the way, and we don't devote ourselves in prayer. But we need to take that time and be earnest about what we're doing. You know, whatever you're doing in prayer, try and take it to another level. Try and, hey, I need to do more, because if I'm going to do what God's Word calls me to do, I'm going to devote my time, I'm going to make a change, and I'm going to do what He calls me to do. Yeah, and, and the whole thing is, you know, praying that God provides us with these opportunities, that God provides us with these opportunities to be able to have these conversations with whether it's family, friends, or loved ones, and realize that the prayers are focused on others. You know, most of the time we get up, and, and who's our prayer focused on? Ourselves. Lord, keep me safe throughout this day. Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak through me. Uh, all these different things. And how about, Lord, my neighbor's not doing well. Lord, my neighbor don't know you. Lord, my sister Kathy needs Jesus. Lord, I, I you know, make it about someone else. Make it re real about someone else. Lord, I know there's one of my coworkers that don't know you. Allow me to have that conversation. Lord, I, I've got a brother who just doesn't know Jesus, and I've got to have that conversation. So when you devote that time in prayer, instead of, you know, spending all that time on, Lord, I need this, you know, that me, myself, and I, and thank you for that, how about taking that time and devote it to prayer to somebody else? Someone else you know is hurting in your life. Because the reality is, it's not us versus them. It's not believers versus non-believers. It's not, oh, well, they're just going to spend eternity in hell. I told them about Jesus. You really think that's going to work? Can it work? Yes. You can walk up to someone very first time, talk to them about Jesus, they accept Jesus, and bam, it's amazing. You know how many people I've talked to about Jesus that to this day I don't know if they accepted Jesus or not? A lot. Because here's the reality. There are planters and there are sowers. My job is to plant. I'm a planter. 
I may not be the harvester. I may not sow all the seeds. Someone else may get a chance to do that. But all I can do is sow the seeds, put the seeds out there for people to know who Jesus is. Now, being a pastor, I will tell you, I get the privilege of, of being that harvester sometimes. You know, you get people to come up and, and all of a sudden, Pastor, I need to talk to you about Jesus. And, and, and you get to be part of that com conversation, part of that prayer. And, and then that person accepts Jesus and you're like, wow, this is cool. But one of the questions I always ask is, who first told you about Jesus? Because that's the person who planted the seed. And it may be multiple peoples that have planted seeds over the years that have gotten that person to the point where they finally, it started to bloom, and they said, I need to make a change. But, but all of us, we need to remember, it's not us against them, because the reality is God loves everybody. God loved you when you didn't love him. God loves the people outside these walls, not just the people inside these walls. God loves everyone, and we need to kind of be that same way and show love, you know, to have these hearts that care for other people. You know, and, and one of the ways I think we can do is I read a story about a 13-year-old girl named Amelia Taylor. Now, Amelia Taylor, she grew up, and her, her dad was a lay pastor in the church. He was also a chemist, and she had other siblings, and her older brother walked away from the faith. He said, that's it, I'm done, man, dad, you've I'm done. He walked away from the faith. And he was living his life out there in the world. And little 13-year-old Amelia started to pray three times a day for her brother. Knowing that, man, my brother's doing what's not right. God, I know you can use him in a mighty way. Whatever her prayer was, and at the end of a month, her brother was actually bored and he picked up a pamphlet that talked about the life, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. When he read through it, the Holy Spirit convicted him. He recommitted his life to Jesus on that same day. From that point, he ended up becoming a missionary. And although you may not know Amelia, you've probably heard of her brother. Her brother's name was Hudson Taylor. Hudson, after accepting Jesus, went to China. And when he went to China, he started planting churches. He started preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even though he took the gospel to China about 170-something years ago, the movement that he started in China then is now the fastest-growing and biggest movement in the world. Now think about that. All them years of communist China, everything going on, he was over there planting churches. When he actually died, he ended up being buried. He's buried over in China with, with his wife and his siblings. But the movement that he created is still going today. The prayer of a 13-year-old girl, because she loved her brother so much, now has over a million people following Jesus. Just because she cared enough to pray for somebody else. And then when her brother accepted Jesus, God used him in a mighty way. That's the power of prayer. You want to know why you start off praying first? You pray because God still uses people. God listens to prayer. He still uses ordinary people each and every day. And every one of us should have that same heart that Amelia had. 
Man, I know someone in my family who don't know Jesus. Man, I got a co-worker who don't know Jesus. I got a next-door neighbor, whatever it is, and start praying that God will open up that door for you to have that conversation, for you to be able to have a seasoned conversation with somebody else. Now, in verse 5, Paul tells us kind of how, you know, he tells us act wisely toward outsiders making the most of time. There's an opportunity for relationship with outsiders. I've said it before. We don't sit inside holy huddles. We don't sit here and say, us four no more. We're called to go and make disciples, right? So if we're called to go and make disciples, where do we got to go? We got to go where they're at, right? Not to where other believers are because Israel's, okay, if we're all believers and we're all disciples of Jesus, who's making disciples? Nobody. We're all just sitting here. Hanging out. In order to make disciples, you got to go where the people aren't disciples, right? So you got to go out into the world. You got to go outside these four walls and you got to have conversations with people who don't know Jesus. And then when they accept Jesus, you start that disciple process of let, teaching them everything Jesus has taught you. But it takes getting outside, it takes actually going to parties. <gasps> pastor told me to go to a party. And guess what? Hey, what's it? Thanksgiving, Christmas? Man, there's a whole lot of office parties, aren't there? A whole lot of different parties with next-door neighbors and everything else. You know how many people there probably don't know Jesus? And you know how many people you may be given the opportunity to talk to? If you pray about it? <clears throat> now imagine you're not going <clears> to <throat> go into this Christmas party and be like, let me tell you all about Jesus. And you're going to stand up and you're going to get a podium and a microphone and get up like you're going to give a sermon. Because guess what? People are going to be like, mm-mm. Time, exactly. It's, I'm out. But what you're going to have is you're going to have those one-on-one conversations. You're going to be able to be standing there maybe in a line with someone just talking about life. Having a real conversation. Having a conversation that doesn't include Jesus. (gasps) Pastor, you mean I can talk to someone and not talk to them about Jesus? Yeah. Now, you may have never heard a pastor say that from the pulpit, but here's the reality. You cannot preach Jesus every day. You're like, oh, yeah, I can. Okay, well, so maybe you're that one who gets up and you walk out to get your morning newspaper. Does anyone still get a newspaper delivered, by the way? See, I knew there had to be a couple. I knew there had to be a couple people. Okay, so, and, you know, mailboxes, like, my mail comes right through this slot, and it ends up on my front, you know, inside my house. But we go outside, and, you know, I don't think any of us start the day the same every single day. Walk outside, I see my next-door neighbor, Scott, and I'm like, good morning, Scott. Jesus loves you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. If me and Scott had that conversation every morning, Scott would probably be avoiding, man, here comes that crazy next-door neighbor again. I'm leaving 10 minutes early, so I don't have to run into him. Because the reality is, there are people who come off like that. Every single conversation, let me tell you about Jesus. No. I don't want to hear about you. Jesus, I don't want to hear about you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to avoid you, and I'm going to avoid him. So the reality is, you don't have to talk about Jesus every day to everybody. That's right, the pastor said that. You don't have to talk about Jesus every day to everybody. 
The reality is you're going to have chances. You're going to have chances to have those conversations. We're going to be able to do what he calls us to do. But I can tell you a better way than talking about them all day. Live like you're a follower of Jesus. Actually live your life like you're a follower of Jesus. Doing what God's word calls you to do. Being the person that God calls you to be. Guess what? Kind of obeying the, you know what it says. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Now, the reality is, oh, guess what? We're also supposed to love our enemies, huh? Pastor, I can't love my enemy. Yes, you can. Loving someone and liking someone is two different things. There's a reality there. I can love someone because Jesus loves them. It don't mean we're going to hang out. I may have conversations. I'm going to be lovable to them. I'm not going to treat them badly, but it don't mean they're going to come to my house. They can come and hang out in my front yard, but they're not coming in the house. They're, they're not going, there's people that aren't going to get to know me because of the fact is that trust issue. Hey, I'm going to love them. I'm going to try and live my life the way Jesus called me to live. And that's what we're called to do. By living our life, doing what God calls us to do. You think about this. Jesus didn't live inside a holy huddle. Jesus went to synagogue. So guess what? Jesus went to church. And then after church, where did he go? He went to people's houses. He went to parties. He went to weddings. They, they took the time together. Jesus met them where they were at. Meanwhile, we'll be like, well, I'm going to go to church. And when I'm done with church, I'm going to go have my brunch. And then I'm going to go back home. And I'm not going to have a conversation with anybody. Are you really being like Jesus? I mean, Jesus hung out with sinners so much, I actually called him a friend of sinners. <clears throat> and guess what? The next disciples are who? The sinners. The same people that Jesus hung out with. The same people that you're going to see at parties, the same people that you're going to see outside of these four walls are the same people that Jesus hung out with and was considered friends of. So, so if we're going to live this life, we live a life that Jesus called us to live, but we don't become isolated. We have conversations where we sow the seeds. See, some of us try and sow seeds in isolation. We don't talk to no one, we don't hang out with no one, we don't go no place, but I'm doing what God's word told me to do. How? Really ask, are you really doing what God's word told you to do? Are you making disciples if you don't go and make disciples? Are you telling people about Jesus, not just beating them over the head with the Bible, but living a life that goes with what God's word says? Loving your wife the way Jesus loved the church. Men in the house, that's serious. And I've said it before, don't say, well, my husband don't respect me. Because when you get to heaven, guess what? God ain't going to ask you if your wife respected you. He's going to ask you, did you love your wife the way Jesus loved the church? And wives, he ain't going to ask, hey, did he love you the way I love the church? You know what he's going to ask you? Did you respect your husband? Whether he loves you the way God loves, the way Jesus loved the church, doesn't change the way what we're supposed to do. And vice versa. Hey, she don't respect me. Guess what? I'm still going to love her. I'm still going to do what I'm called to do. 
That's living the life that's worthy of the gospel. That's living life doing what Jesus called us to do. Being Christ-like in everything. We're not called to hunker down. We're called to get out there, be out there in the world, talk to people about Jesus. And, and here's the reality. If you're sitting there and saying, well, pastor, that's good, but I don't know anyone who don't know Jesus. Go back to point number one. Pray. Lord, I need you to send me someone who don't know you. Lord, bring someone into my life that I can start to have a friendship with, that I can then begin to sow seeds, that I can then begin to have seasoned conversations with. And trust me, when you pray that prayer, Lord, will you send me someone? Be ready. Because he's going to send that person into your life. And when that person gets in your life, are you going to run them off by saying, this is what God's word says? Or are you going to be like, hey, let's go get something to eat. Hey, what do you like to do? Hey, let's go fishing. Let's do this, whatever their hobbies may be. You're going to go and you're going to do it, but you've got to have those conversations first. You've got to be able to sow those seeds of conversation. And then the next big thing is, <clears throat> it tells us, it says in Colossians uh, in, chap in verse 6, wow. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. You notice this says how you should answer each person. It doesn't say what you should say to each person, but how you should answer. Guess what? That means they got to speak. That means they have to actually ask questions. If we're going to answer them, we've got to be listening to what they got to say, right? Here's a, here's a thought for you. Go and have a meal with somebody, and if you're there for an hour, let them talk for 50 minutes. How many of y'all can actually sit there and let someone talk through a whole conversation and not say anything? Uh, I know there are husbands going and boyfriends going, man, you don't know my wife. She can talk for an hour. And all I got to do is say, yes, honey. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And then she tries to see if I'm listening, tells me, hey, by the way, you got an eyeball on your forehead or a belly button on your forehead. And you know, I don't have one on there. So she knows you're actually listening and having that conversation. But actually listen to someone for 50 minutes. Listen to what they got to say. Guess what? Talk to them about sports. Talk to them about their family. Talk to them about life in general. Allow them to actually speak. To what's going on because then once you allow them to speak it's going to open up for you to have that conversation and have an answer for them and the reality is it's going to be a chance to plant a seed you're going to be able to sow a seed in that conversation and then when the person's done you're going to kind of be like man you know what i really trust that person and when that person starts to have questions who are they going to come and ask? You. They're going to come and ask you because guess what? You sat there and listened to them. We've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should listen twice as much as we speak. But man, we'll be so quick to speak. You need Jesus. You know that sin you're doing in your life? And we'll cast this judgment down on people instead of just loving on them. 
message is hearing what they've got to say. Reality is a lot of times while you're letting someone else speak and you're listening to what they've got to say, you actually start, and the Holy Spirit will start telling you, hey, look here, look here, look here. And it allows you to give an answer, to give the right answer to that person that's going to be seasoned with salt, that's going to sow a seed that somewhere down the line may affect millions of people. For one simple conversation of listening to someone else speak. And learning to listen is not easy. Trust me. And for the men in the house, learning to listen is even twice as hard. Because men in the house were fixers, right? Ladies start talking, and it said two sentences in, bam, here's what you got to do. Conversation over, I'm done. Meanwhile, she's looking at you like, man, I ain't even started yet. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? I didn't ask you to give me an answer. Then why'd you come to me? Yeah, we're fixing, right? Patty knows she'll come up to me, and I'll ask her, you want me to fix it or you want me to listen? Because there's a difference. Now, I will tell you, even when she says, I want you to listen, I've already fixed it in my head. <laughs> Just so you know, I have it. Two questions in, I've already fixed it. I'm like, well, why don't you just do this? Of course, I don't say it because she wants me to listen. And then my prayer is at the end of the conversation, she'll say, so what do you think? <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way, so I just got to like, okay. I listen. I can tell her how to fix it. But guess what? She's now happy. She's not. She's good. Life is happy, happy wife, happy life. Y'all know how that works. So it's like, all right, she's happy, I'm happy, everything's good. And, and a couple days later, she may say, hey, by the way, that conversation we had, what should I do? Man, it's about time I was about to explode. I've been waiting to say this for like two days. I've been waiting to tell you two sentences in what you should have done, but you wanted me to listen, so I listened. The reality is we need to listen to other people the same way. We need to be able to hear what they're going through and, and just be there and honestly listen to what they have to say so that you can actually give an answer and give the right answer when the answer is actually asked for. So three things. Season conversations. Pray, live a wise life, and have conversations seasoned with salt. I said at the beginning, in our conversations with non-believers, Christians should be wise and intentional. The only way we can be wise and intentional is to start out through prayer. And prayer will help us to live wise lives as we allow God to speak to us. And then when we're having those seasoned conversations, he speaks through us to others. That's what we're called to do. In a nutshell, that's pretty easy. Well, it sounds easy, right? I don't know, Pastor. You want me to listen? Yeah. You want me to listen? I am wise. Not a wise guy, but a wise life. See, God, I know us. Pastor told me to be wise. I'm going to be a wise fill in the blank. I got people shaking their head like, yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. Hey, guess what? I'm good at that too. I'm really good at that. But like I said, the reality is go and meet people where they're at. 
And be open and honest with people. Be open and honest and have those conversations. Hey, Thanksgiving's coming. Well, I'm going to have that one aunt or uncle come over to the house that, man, I can't believe they're coming. I hope they, I hope they don't say this, this, and this. And it's kind of both ways. You hope they don't. Man, I know this person's bringing his King James Bible. He's going to preach to me the whole time. And then you got this other one. Man, I know this person in life that they're living, they're going to be talking about all this partying and this, that, and everything else, and, and they need Jesus, and I need to be the one to tell them about it. Guess what? No, you don't. They probably already know they know Jesus because they've heard it from you a thousand times. So guess what? Just have a conversation. Hey, how's the wife? Hey, how are the kids? Hey, how's the job? Have a conversation with someone. Start there. Pray about it. Be wise in what you say. And add some salt to your conversation. Have some seasoned conversations with people in your life. Because that's what it's all about. I mean, way too many times, you know, and I've done them, I've done evangelism, explosion, I've done all these other things, and they're all these scripted things to say. Watch YouTube videos. Now, I tell you, some of them are pretty neat, but what they don't show you is all the times that someone looked at them like they were crazy and walked away. You know the ones, hey, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Let me tell you, as a non-believer, if I was walking down the street and someone told me that, I'd look at them and be like, yeah, dude, you're on some good stuff, man. And I'm going to keep on walking. I ain't going to have that conversation with them. But let me tell you, if a friend comes alongside of me, even though I know I'm messed up, even though I know I'm jacked up and I'm not living the life I should live, but they come and they sit beside me and they have this conversation with me and they actually listen to what I'm going through, they're the ones I'm going to go talk to. And in my past, they're the ones I've went and talked to when something came up, hey, man, I need prayer. We all know who we're going to go talk to. Every one of us has a Christian Chris in our life. Man, I'm going to go talk to Chris. I'm going to go talk to this person. Because I know they know Jesus and I got problems. I know they pray, and, and I need prayer. I may not believe in God, but man, I believe in the power of prayer. Well, guess what? That's a start. That's a start for each and every one of us. So I want to encourage you today when you guys leave, don't be scripted. Don't always say the same thing. Don't always do the same thing, because everyone's life is different. Yes, Accepting Jesus is very simple and easy. We don't need to complicate it. We don't need to try and build a new thing. Just use God's word. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We don't need to add anything else to it. But man, we try to. Just be a friend. Just be a friend and bring your friend to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Be a friend. Have seasoned conversations. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just thank you. We thank you for who you are and what you do. We thank you that salvation comes only through you. But Lord, we, we just pray that we can have seasoned conversations. 
Lord, there's so many times we just try and beat people over the head. So many times we're just judgy and judgmental. Lord, may we remember that God's going to ask us what we did, not what someone else did. So, Lord, may we be open and honest. May we be real. And, Lord, the realization that we're all sinners. We may not be the sinner we used to be, but we still sin. We still fall short of your glory. And, Lord, if we're going to do what you call us to do, we need to actually open up your word. We need to read it, and we need to apply it in our own lives first. Because, Lord, if we're not doing what you called us to do, how are we supposed to tell somebody else? When they're going to look at our lives and just, you're going to tell me to be a Christian? And, and you're not even living a lifestyle of it? Lord, may we live wise lives. May people see you in us. May our words and our actions glorify you in all that we do. And Lord, my prayer is always, if there's someone who don't know you, that the seed has been planted and that they will come and ask and that they will seek. And Lord, when they seek, that they will find you. And Lord, that you will be glorified through all of our seasoned conversations. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.